Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Okay, okay, question. Beverly Hills, the most beautiful woman in the world, plastic surgery. What do these three things have in common? Me in less than a week. We want to hear all about California. I heard that the women out there have their chests enlarged, their thighs vacuumed, and barf on purpose. We are prepared to offer you a permanent position as medical practitioner supreme here in the greater, greater metropolitan area and squash capital of the South. All in favor say aye. Aye. I'm in the twilight zone. I'm uh, just on my way to Beverly Hills. Plastic surgery. Not that you need any. I suspect your version of romance is whatever will separate me from my panties. What I'm talking about is dinner. Wear a dress. Panties are optional. Don't you have some kind of urgent business thousands of miles away from here, Doctor? He was a man with big plans, but he never planned on her. Michael J. Fox. Morning, Doc. That's a nice peak you got there. Yeah, that's what they tell me. Julie Warner. You can blink now. Woody Harrelson. I could have gone to med school. Just the science part of it I had a problem with. And Bridget Fonda. Do doctors know more about sex? Doc Hollywood. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's movie, we're going to cover Doc Hollywood from 1991. The studio was Warner Brothers. Release date was August 2nd, 1991. The running time, 104 minutes with the rating of PG-13. The budget was $17 million, and the box office took in $54.8 million, making it the 24th ranked movie of 1991. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 68% fresh from 34 reviews. Their critics' consensus is, Doc Hollywood isn't particularly graceful in its attempt to put a 90s spin on a Capra-esque formula, but a light touch and a charming cast makes its flaws easy to forgive. Roger Ebert at the time gave the movie 3 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. On the basis of the movie's trailer, I was expecting Doc Hollywood to be a comedy. And it is a comedy, but it surprised me also by being a love story, and a pretty good one. The kind where the lovers are smart enough to know all the reasons why they shouldn't get together, but too much in love to care. The movie stars Michael J. Fox, an actor who knows how to be quiet and attractive without seeming to work at it, as a recent medical school graduate on his way from Washington to Los Angeles. Doc Hollywood is not a cranked-up assembly line comedy. It would rather be sweet than clever, and although its general contours are familiar, a lot of the local color is not. The film was directed by Michael Caton Jones, who has a knack for finding the right character actors here to create the local color. Instead of the usual cliched rednecks and homespun philosophers, he uses good character actors like David Ogden Steers as the local mayor and the head of the recruiting effort, Bernard Hughes, as the aging local doctor, Woody Harrelson, who cannot decide if he would rather beat up Fox or just sell him some insurance. 
Bridget Fonda as the local sex pot, and George Hamilton perfectly cast as a plastic surgeon and reminding us that his talent, while narrowly defined, is inimitable. The town of Grady, which is actually Micanopony, Florida, is also a character in the movie with its statue of a local hero holding a squash in his hand. Like all small towns in Hollywood movies, this one has a parade, an anniversary celebration, and a fireworks display during the course of the story. But Kate and Jones has fun with the parade, lots of marching squashes, and the carnival provides the backdrop for a small, tender, perfectly choreographed and photographed love scene, while Fox and Warner dance to Patsy Cline's Crazy. All of the people drop out of the background, and only the bright lights remain. The chemistry does work between Fox and Julie Warner, who is making her movie debut after TV work such as Star Trek The Next Generation. They're good together, partly because the screenplay by Jeffrey Price, Peter S. Seaman, and Daniel Pine doesn't give them sappy things to say. They hold reasonable conversations from which, eventually, romance blossoms. Love stories are among the trickiest kinds of movies to make. Stories of sex and passion are easier. What love needs is an ability to idealize the loved one and to feel narcissistic bliss because one is loved by such a paragon. Dialogue and plot and all the rest take second place to the conviction that two people only have the eyes for one another. Fox and Warner create that feeling, which is why Doc Hollywood is a sweetheart of a movie. And that's the end of Ebert's review. Ebert is absolutely right, and while romantic comedies weren't necessarily what I was looking for back in 1991, because I was only like 12 or 13, there was something about Michael J. Fox and his roles that I always gravitated to. You know, I dare say he was probably my favorite actor when I was growing up, from the TV show Family Ties, and then of course you had the movies like Back to the Future and Teen Wolf and The Secret of My Success. Fox pretty much was the staple in my family's movie you know, viewing when I was growing up. And Eber did my job for me. He rattled off the cast, so there's really no need to repeat those details, and I'll get right into the film. So the movie begins at Washington Presbyterian Hospital. This is in Washington, D.C., not Washington State. And they're in the emergency room, which is complete chaos, as you can imagine. Dr. Ben Stone, which is Michael J. Fox, is on his last shift of his residency and is going to be headed to Beverly Hills for an interview with a renowned plastic surgeon, that is George Hamilton. If Ben Stone gets his position, he'll make half a million dollars his first year, which is not a bad gig even today. Back then, it was even better. Anyway, Ben has to deal with a gunshot wound victim and a guy that drank way too much or did way too many drugs and ends up puking all over him. Bon voyage, Washington, D.C. None of the doctors offered to go out with Ben for his last night in town, which is likely due to his inflated ego and the fact that they don't feel plastic surgery is really practicing real medicine. Anyway, Ben hits the road to California in his red Porsche convertible. While on his road trip, Ben decides to go on the shoulder of the highway to avoid some road constructions, but then, of course, ends up getting lost. He eventually gets back on the highway, but then runs into an unexpected roadblock in South Carolina. A few women walking their cows in the middle of the road. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm okay. I'm okay. Shit. Accident. Woman in the middle of the road with a cow! Oh, God. All right. I'm okay. All right. Oh, man, my car. Oh, man. Oh, front end is shot! Well, I'm glad you're here. 
Is that a 56 or 57, Speedster? It's 56. Hey, come on, get out, get out. Will you get out of the car? Get away from there. Took me three weeks to build that fence. Look, I'm sorry. Now, does this have a Super 90 engine or a 1600? The way I look at it, it wasn't really anybody's fault. So my insurance company will probably pay for the entire fence, and, and that should be fine. Is it okay? Won't be the same. Wait, this ain't a kit car, is it? No, it ain't. It isn't. My name is Ben Stone. Look, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a surgeon. Hey! Hey! Awesome! Who thrashed the fence? I'm Ben Stone. Now, I can give you the address of my clinic in Los Angeles. Did he just say he's Ben Stone? He says he's from L.A. You send me a bill there. If you want, we can handle it with plastic. I'm not really from L.A. I'm just on my way to... You lucky I just happened to be passing through. What's in the trunk? Pot? Oh. I'm a surgeon. I can... Oh, come on. Will you get away? Get away! Get away from the car. Sorry. Not you, the... God. Probably the finest pants I'll ever put up. Sir. I know a really stone up in Stanton, the family of yours. <laughs> Can I tell you, I understand what you're trying to do. Hey, this the new Mazda? What's your speech? Put up with any small town bullshit. Hey, where's the dang engine? Whoa! Get away from this car. You're not touching this car. You don't even know where the engine is. Gotcha. <laughs> As it turns out, the fence Ben destroyed was Judge Evans' fence played by Robert Blossom, who was the old man neighbor in the film Home Alone. J- the judge senses Ben for reckless driving and gives him 16 hours of community service in which he needs to use his medical training and services to the small town of Grady, which is in badly need of doctors. Ben is incredulous, so Judge Evan doubles the sentence to 32 hours of community service. But Ben needs to be in Los Angeles in a week, and he needs his car repaired anyway, so he has no other choice but to serve his sentence. Ben gets a cab to the doctor's office that he'll be working out of, which is run by Dr. Hogue, played by Bernard Hughes. The head nurse that runs the office is Nurse Packer, Edie Bird, who is a no-nonsense, no-sense-of-humor sort of person. And Bird is just great in this role. Ben doesn't even get a bed to sleep on, so the surgery table will have to do. A few hours later, Ben is awakened by a guy wearing a squash costume. Yes, the vegetable. This happens to be the mayor of Grady, Nick Nicholson, who is played by David Ogden Steers. He takes Ben to his home and with a welcoming committee of three older women who treat Ben with home-cooked food and treats. They are attempting to woo Ben into staying in town due to Dr. Ho getting up in age and they want some fresh blood to run the hospital. The next morning, Ben wakes up alone and a bit hungover from the moonshine the ladies gave him. He heads out to the lake, which is right outside the cabin he was staying in, and meets a completely gorgeous woman named Lou, played by Julie Warner, who casually strolls out of the lake completely nude. Ah, this was back in the day where a topless scene still only constituted a PG-13 rating. In any case, for Ben, it's love at first sight. Mayor Nicholson then picks up Ben from the cabin. The mayor and the townspeople begin their pitch to get Ben to stay in town as the main doctor. Now, don't let the signs of prosperity in urban sprawl here in downtown scare you. We're still the same sleepy little paradise that many big city streets recommend for their patients with nervous disorders. It's the common effect of greatest natural ozone. In fact, there's a world-class mental hospital just up the road with us. That's a comforting thought. Ben Stone, you like coffee? If you like coffee, we won't go in here. Is that him? That's him. He's young, huh? Boys, this here is Ben Stone, the Hollywood physician who's going to spend a couple few days with us. Uh, ben, this here is uh, Mortimer, John, Aubrey, probably don't want to shake his hand. Sorry over in the corner there. Sorry, got a cow that sings. Of course, you remember Cotton, ah. Miss Lillian? Hollywood, La La Lane. 
Beverly Hills, actually. Whatever. Well, William's been a movie star. No, oh, Walbury. It was just an army training film. Oh, come now. You were the star. You played the leading role. Yeah, it was about BD. I was the bacteria. I had a big scene with penicillin. Mm, yes. A death scene. Take a load off, doctor. This will stop your worries. We're stardom. <laughs> so, Doc, what do you think of our town? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen all of it yet. Oh, yeah, you have. Opportunity abounds here. The growth rate was up 0.3% last year. There's no crime. By the way, we are the county seat. Fellas, fellas, no point in beating a dead horse to death. That's all in the brochure. Ben Stone, we are prepared to offer you a permanent position as medical practitioner supreme here in the greater Grady metropolitan area and squash capital of the South. My salary is $27,000 per annum and plus housing. 27000 You see, Nick, I told you. All right, oh, okay. 30,000. Look, you people don't even know me. Oh, I noticed right off, Eddie. Double knots of shoelaces. Oh, excellent credentials. Shows he's careful. Uh, anyway, don't you already have a doctor? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, with that hole. See, the problem with hold you yeah, He's old. Old and holy unpleasant. Point is, he's not going to be around forever. 35,000? Well, yeah, but that takes a unanimous vote of the whole entire city council. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Unanimous. I abstain. You always abstain. Then Ben heads to the hospital for his first day of community service. Well, howdy, Nurse Packer. How you Doctor's lounge is down the hall. You can change in there, and then I'll have Lou show you around. This is your time card. You gotta be kidding. Local call? I don't know anybody local. Payphone's in the waiting room. Yeah, it's... No, it's a collect... It's a collect call from Dr. Benjamin Stone. Stone. Hey, come on, do you mind? This is a... Personal call. I guess so. Uh, uh, yeah, hi. Yes, this is Dr. Stone. Actually, that's why I'm calling. Um... I, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it on Tuesday. No, I just, there was a kind of a, a, a medical emergency, and, and uh, they, they don't have a doctor, so I, of course, I volunteered my services, and I'll need to stay until the situation stabilizes. Yeah, medically speaking. Uh, uh, you're interviewing other doctors. Uh, Friday. Yeah, okay, Friday, I can do that. Okay, no, thank you very much, and thank Dr. Harris. That was better tap dancing than I've seen on Star Search. You know, if you tell me you're here for a physical, you're gonna make my day. It's unprofessional to flirt with the patients. I'm uh, just on my way to Beverly Hills. Plastic surgery. Not that you need any. Nice try. So is this a GQ look for young urban doctors? Well, I've spent the last two years doing 18-hour days in the ER. I find these are pretty comfortable. You don't like them? No. Okay, fine. Well, I, uh, I really enjoyed our time together here, but um, since you're obviously not a patient and I'm not getting anywhere, tell me where I can find a guy named Lou drives an ambulance. I'll get out of your life. I'm Lou. Where did all these people come from? 
Folks here, there's a doctor on duty at the hospital. They come running. Any old doctor. Send him in. So Ben is not quite prepared for the type of ailments that the patients of this small town bring him. One patient has some sort of remedy concoction on his big toe that was backed up by Dr. Hogue. Essentially, it looks like the guy's big toe has been dipped in tar to, rem- to remedy his cut foot. And from there, the patient's request just gets stranger and stranger. Okay, Mrs. Owens, if you could please get up on the table and put your feet in stirrups. We're just here about our mail. It's from my sister. We don't read. Has ever happened to you before, Mr. McClary? Hell yes, it, it happens. <laughs> oh, this ain't nearly the biggest one I ever took. I had a hook in my thigh once. It must have been, oh, I'd say, like, oh, excuse me. I, yeah, well, fishing's a dangerous business. Well, it can be. And after the cow died, there just wasn't any reason for him to go on. Meanwhile, Ellen's got herself mixed up with a Pakistani gentleman who nobody can understand what he is saying. Not even Ellen. No, I don't see any toxic striations. Red streaks. You sure it was a black widow? Oh, uh, here. I kept it in some TP. Oh, dear Lord. It's escaped. She thinks Ray's having an affair with the pastor's wife, but Ray swears it's just scrub or crash. <laughs> Ray is a nut, I'm telling you. It's like a blurred spot in my vision. Out there, no? There, no? No, there. <sighs> I'm cured. The pastor's wife got busted for growing marijuana out behind the rectory. So she'll be spending a spell up in Tupelo at the minimum security prison. Well, that's it. What about Ellen in the back of Stanley? All right, so Ben is ready to call it a day before a couple brings in their young son who seems to have a serious medical problem. The couple wants Dr. Hogue, who always treats the young boy, but Ben says that he'll see him. Ben actually believes the boy has a serious cardiac issue, but things don't turn out like he planned. Okay, here's the situation. Your son is turning blue because he has an abnormal mitral valve. It's causing a backflow of blood in his heart. We may have to operate. I'm going to send him to Athens General as soon as possible. Dr. Hogue said you should give the boy a Coke. What? He said he's probably got a bellyache and that you should give him a Coke Coke. Listen, doctor, I got a boy here in cardiac crisis. You can't treat that with Coca-Cola or Bisquick. We're going to have to use real medicine this time. Now, I'm sending him to Athens General. You're his regular fucking doctor. You get your fat ass out of bed. Get down here and go with him. How long is he going to take that goddamn chopper? He should be here any minute. Stone. Dr. Hogg, 
What the hell kind of snot-nosed puppy doctor are you anyway? Wake me out of a sound sleep? Scare these poor folks out of their Michael skivvies? Michael Valve Regurge. Ah. Look, I've had a lot of experience with it in the ER, okay? I've even assisted in the surgery to correct. Now, God only knows how long he's had this, but I guess you overlooked it. Now, why don't you go and check his color? Nurse Packer, get that crap off of the boy. Gene, you gave him the bismuth subnitrate, didn't you? Well, first we thought it was the skivvies. gave him so... too much, as usual. Turned him three shades of blue. Bismuth subnitrate? Homegrown and acid. You hear a heart murmur? No, it's hard to detect. detect. You've been sampling your daddy's chore. Mm -hmm. That'll be 65 cents. Well, nice work, Hollywood. You were just about to crack open the chest of a six-year-old boy to cure a case of diarrhea. Now listen up, smartass. Next time I tell you how to treat a patient of mine, you better damn well do it, doctor. I doubt you're no crap from Crisco. To make matters worse, Ben goes to the local mechanic to find out how the repairs are coming with his car, and he discovers that his entire engine is now completely taken apart to his horror. <laughs> the mechanics can get the part, but it will take some bartering, and they don't accept credit cards or checks. You remember those dark ages? <laughs> Since Grady is the epitome of a small town, word spread quickly about Ben's mishap with the misdiagnosis of the little boy. However, Ben has one fan, the mayor's daughter Nancy, played by Bridget Fonda. Hi, Doc. Hi, Doc. Hey. Morning, Doc. Hey, Doc. Morning, best old Morning, Doc Stone. Howdy, y'all. Dr. Stone? Dr. Stone, I presume? Yeah, that's right. Hi. Hi. Say, you're much taller than they said you were. I'm uh, sitting on a stool. Oh. And then you are? Dying to get out of this town. <laughs> How about you? Here's your breakfast. Lily and I haven't ordered yet. Compliments of the house. Don't let old Hoag scare you off, Doc. We know you weren't aiming to kill that boy last night. Wait a minute. You're not planning on staying in Grady. Oh, only as long as I have to. Thank God. For a second there, I thought they got their hooks into you, too. But you don't like Grady? No. So how come you don't leave? With you? Is that a proposition, Doctor? Yeah, well, you must have great read this before it gets cold. Excuse me. Nice meeting you. Sure. Thanks, Lulu. However, Ben is hung up on Lou, but she wants nothing to do with him since he's arrogant and he's not going to stay in town anyway. Ben then meets Hank Gordon, played by Woody Harrelson, who is an insurance agent who is also interested in Lou, but frankly, he's most interested in signing up new clients, including Ben. After breakfast, Ben shows up to work to the wrath of Nurse Packer, who makes sure to always clock in his time card. He also learns what payment is like from the patients and Grady. Hello, Nurse Packer. All right. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's get something straight right now, okay? I got eight years of higher education. I got one year of internship. I got one year of residency. I'm, I'm $70,000 in debt. Now I'm waylaid in this hee-haw hell, and you insist on clocking me in and out like I'm some kind of factory worker? Well, no! N-O! No! This is where I draw the line. I believe you have a visitor, Doctor. Doc? My foot feels so good, I, 
I brought you this pig. Okay. <clears throat> I can't abide being in no man's debt. This pig's all I got to give. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already paid more or less by the hospital. I, I really can't accept your pig. It's a done deal. She's your pig now. God bless you both. Keep your animal outside. This is a hospital. So Ben walks his new pet pig around town and ends up back at the mechanic where he breaks the news to the mechanic that he still doesn't have the cash for the part. So he trades the pig for the part, which is a great swap, right? So things are looking up for Ben, so he tries his hand at being sincere with Lou and he asks her on a date. He also discovers that Lou is a single mom with a little girl. I just, I actually, I just came by because uh, I need a date for dinner tomorrow night. Nick Nicholson's? Yeah, how'd you know? Can't poop in this town without everyone knowing what color it is. I was uh, fixing to have a cocktail. Are you in a hurry? Oh, man, that's tart. It's called a slow, comfortable screw up against a wall with a twist. Is that a Grady specialty? <laughs> no. New York City. New York? Yeah, I worked at one of those weirdo theme bars on the west side. Wayne and I went to college in New York. Wayne. Then he dropped out. I got pregnant. He couldn't get work, so I bartended. I managed to finish school, though. Um, Wayne isn't still... Wayne is a professional dancer. You know, one of those exotic Chippendale things? He's in Boston, Miami. I can't keep track. He left me after Emma was born. I divorced him and came running back here. Wayne has this extremely high opinion of his legs. You know, I just can't picture you in the big city. In New York. And it's like me. And Grady? Yeah. Well, peel an onion, there's lots of layers. What layer is Hank on? Henry Gordon's sweet on me. And he's pretty decent and solid once you get past the insurance rebel without a clause routine. Decent and solid. Very romantic. I can see you coming from half a mile away, Dr. Stone. You and your slick city ways. I suspect your version of romance is whatever will separate me from my panties. Look, what I'm talking about is dinner. You know, in public, wear a dress. Panties are optional. Unfortunately, the last clip cut off a great part in which Lou tells Ben she's happy that he saved the pig from being sold to the butcher since her daughter loves animals. So then Ben freaks out and runs to the garage to find out the mechanic sold the pig to the butcher. So then Ben races to the butcher to save the pig. However, the butcher will only take cash, of course. So Ben ends up working off the debt by cutting sides of pork and beef to buy back the pig. And being a surgeon definitely makes him a great butcher. 
Next, there's a big dinner at the mayor's house, and it's amusing because Dr. Hogue ties one on and tells rambling tales that bores everyone to death. Also attending the dinner are Hank and Nancy. Nancy can't wait to leave town, and Hank can only talk about insurance. In the meantime, Ben would rather just spend the night alone with Lou. However, Lou just won't completely warm up to Ben, knowing that he's got one foot out the door once his community service is up. The next day, Lou drives Ben around for his house calls, which entails reading more letters for the couple <laughs> that was earlier in the film, and then giving shots to an unwilling patient, which involves a full-on wrestling match to get the guy pinned to take his shot, and then there's a kid with a mini toy car stuck in his ear. In the meantime, Lou is pissed about the local hunters and tries to put a stop to it in her own way. Whoa. You see another one? They mark their way with these. Because they're too stupid and too drunk to remember where they were most times. Ooh. Hunters. Maybe this is the end of the... Yes, yeah, see, there it is. That's where they sit and wait for the slaughter. It's not like they do it for food either. God, it gets me so hot. You want to help me here? <laughs> Uh, what, are you, what are you doing? I'm urinating. You just uh, you just drop trowel whenever you feel like. Well, it scares the deer away, so the hunters won't get them. Uh, why 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 don't you just you know say boo or something? I try to spread it around a little here, a little there. Feel free to join in. <laughs> Those that pee together, stay together, something like that. So while walking around the woods, Ben divulges that he actually grew up in a small town in Indiana. The townspeople just assume he was a big city guy. In the meantime, Dr. Hogue had a heart attack, and Ben and Lou hurry back to the hospital. This time, Ben gets the diagnosis correct and actually saves Dr. Hogue's life. Even Nurse Packer appreciates Ben's efforts and makes him up a real bed that night at the hospital. The day and the night of the squash festival has come, and Ben tries to reschedule his interview in Beverly Hills, but to no avail. And Ben is starting to have real feelings for Lou and also enjoying the people of Grady, who generally appreciate his efforts. As Ebert mentioned, Ben even has a very nice slow dance with Lou during Patsy Cline's Crazy during the festival that night which eventually leads to a boat ride on the lake where they get to see the fireworks, which then leads to real fireworks between them. However, Ben's conscience gets the best of him knowing that he just doesn't want to be a one-night stand for Lou. Ben arrives back to his cabin, and Hank is waiting for him, which leads to a funny scene initially as Ben thinks Hank wants to fight, but he really doesn't. You made me real mad. Uh, about what? What do you think? I know you were out on that lake with her. Makes me sick to think of you and her. Nothing happened. All right. Ain't nothing happened. Country boy, you want to take a shot at me? Huh? Come on. What are you doing? Come on, country boy, get up, let's go. Are you paranoid or something? No. But I'm a little confused. 
suppose you and her will be getting married now. Southern way. Man and woman as one. Make sacrifices to build equity in a future that has security. Why do you sound like a mutual of Omaha, Ed? Fine. Joke it up. At least I was prepared to marry her. She's not in love with you, Hank. Okay. That's the only roadblock, though. Let me ask you something. Don't you think a guy's entitled to choose his own destiny? You know, whether it's in a small town or, or even in California, just that he shouldn't have it handed to him. You know, like it's a, uh, you know, uh, like a hat? Right, okay, good, like a hat. Your father wore it, your grandfather wore it too, and now you're stuck with it, only the damn thing is too small, you know? It just doesn't fit. I hate a tight hat. And there's a lot of hats out there, Hangster. And, and, and even if this one fits, and I'm not saying that it does, just hypothetically, how do you know it's the right one when you haven't even tried any others on? I sure haven't. All right, so Ben decides to break his car out of the mechanic's shop and head to L.A. for his interview. However, on his way out of town, he runs into the couple that always has him read their letters for them. As it turns out, the wife is finally going into labor, and Ben delivers the newborn baby girl in the car that's pulled over on the highway. The delivery is not easy, as the baby is turned the wrong way. Ben works his magic, but as the girl pops out, a half-conscious truck driver crashes into Ben's car and totals it. Both the baby and Ben are crying now. The next morning, Dr. Hogue asks to see Ben. In his crotchety old way, he shows all the different baby pictures of all the townspeople he's delivered over the years, including Nurse Packer and Mayor Nickerson. All of this gives Ben pause. He's not just a doctor to these people, he's part of their family, forever. For example, the couple named their newborn baby Benjamina after Ben. So the townspeople kindly all chipped in to buy Ben a flight to Los Angeles since his car was totaled and they have a little send-off for him. And Lou says, well, she's going to marry Hank. So with a heavy heart, Ben heads to Los Angeles for his interview with the great plastic surgeon, Dr. Havelstrom, played by George Hamilton. Could you help, please? Good morning, Havelstrom Clinic. Good morning, Havelstrom Clinic. Good morning, Havelstrom... Oh, hold. Yes, doctor. Mr. Stone? Dr. Stone. Oh. Uh, Dr. Havelstrom can see you now. Do you have any idea how many applications I had to go through this year, Stone? Oh, yes, sir. Hey, that's why I knew this interview was important, sir. I would have been here earlier if, if I could have been. I do think that... I know that you're a great surgeon, Stone. That whole file's full of great surgeons. Did you expect some special consideration because we come from the same hometown? Because I knew your father before he died? No, sir. Good. Because you didn't get shit. Wouldn't have been here at all. If it hadn't been for a call I got from Dr. Reyes Hogue. Doc, Dr. Hogue called you? Well, I saw two doctors last week with more experience than you and read a board certification course. Dr. Hogue's a piece of work, isn't he? What did he say? 
You were doing volunteer family practice down south somewhere? Yes. Uh, yeah, yes, 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 that's right. You went there to get that small town chip off your shoulder, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're braver than I was, Stone. In any case, Pope said you were, quote, one elaciously fine physician. That I would be a bovine, clod-pated, city-fied moron if I didn't hire you on the spot. Wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. So I guess you're in, Stone. Congrats. What time do I tee off? You do play golf, don't you? All right, so what happens next? Well, you can probably guess. And if not, then just see the movie. It's really, it's a charming, fun comedy, really well made with a terrific lead actor in Michael J. Fox. And movies like this used to be made with ease in the 80s and the 90s, and now it's just a lost art, sadly. All right, a few fun facts. Some feel that the plot of the animated film Cars from Pixar essentially plagiarized the plot to Doc Hollywood, and I never actually thought about that before. So sadly, Michael J. Fox was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 1990, not long before filming this movie. And he started to notice a small but persistent tremor in his left pinky finger. All right, Sonny Pooney from the great Grown Up Rock podcast and also podcast Rock City, the Kiss podcast, joins me to discuss one of Michael J. Fox's more underrated films, of course, Doc Hollywood. And I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Well, I think it's only fitting that we have Sonny Hollywood Pooney on for Doc Hollywood. Welcome back, Sonny. Oh, good to be back. They say Hollywood like four or five times in the movie, and I'm like, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> you should have been in the film. Yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is one where Michael J. Fox was huge in, in, after Back to the Future, and so pretty much anything he was in, I was going to go see. Uh, but by 91, I think he was still pretty much doing, I mean, he was, I wouldn't say riding high as as he was uh, in the late 80s, but um, this movie did pretty well. How did you first, uh, how did it come on your radar? Uh, it came on my radar because of Michael J. Fox. I mean, mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox, uh, very much like Tom Cruise, is an actor that defines most of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I don't think Michael's done anything since he's been sick. Well, he's done a little bit, but he's not done a ton. Sure. But whether it was Back to the Future, Seeker of My Success, The American President, one of my favorite movies, Family Ties, Spin City. I mean, this this guy is the Will Smith of my life. Like, the, yeah. there's five or six guys that way. And uh, so the minute I saw he was in the movie, of course, I'm going to go watch it. And I love comedies. Oh, yeah. And this is, uh, you know, I say this over and over again. They don't make movies like this anymore. It's just it's a fun, simple movie that uh, it would probably just be like a Netflix thing now. But big, you know, studios aren't going to spend a ton of money on a film like this anymore to release the theaters. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a storyline that I think could work today. I I don't think there's Mm -hmm. any issues there. Um, I think we've had similar storylines about you know, uh, a person going from the city to the country and yeah. you know, being this big person. And uh, so we've seen that before. Um, yeah, I just don't know how well it would do, right? Because it, it's a feel-good movie that's fairly simple. And I'm not sure um, Hollywood can really pull off fairly simple movies anymore. Well, that and uh, and again, yeah, Michael J. Fox is a draw. Like he, you could build a whole film like this around him. And and frankly, there's no stars today that have the star power like they did back in the '80s. Uh, not like the. I mean, you'd have to have Tom Cruise, right? You'd mm-hmm. have to have Will Smith, uh, or yeah. uh, Zach. What the, that Zach guy? What's his last name? The guy. 
the guy with the high school musical, that guy. Oh, my, Zach Efron. My kids love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach Efron. Um, but even he did that grandpa movie thing. And it, it was fairly simple, but it's not as good as this. And no, that even was, had De Niro. It had De Niro. Exactly. Exactly. I could almost see this like almost as a spinoff. Like they turned it into almost a series. You know, you get the the plot out of the way where he ends up there. But once he's in the town, you can pretty much, you know, have the, the small town, you know, fun each episode. Yeah. But then doesn't it basically become Green Acres? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Which is not all bad, I guess. I love Green Acres. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we started this call, the first thing that stuck out to you was Julie Warner. Why don't we get into how you feel about her? Oh, my God. So I don't really know Julie Warner. I, I think the only other movie I've probably seen her in that I've noticed is Tommy Boy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she's kind of sold as this almost tomboyish type figure. And uh, I love the confidence. I love the cockiness of her personality. But she was full blown naked. Isn't this movie like PG-13? Exactly. And this is the and it wasn't like this was an 80s comedy, too, because the 80s would get away with this all the time. This is 91. So, yeah, that was kind of shocking. Yeah. But uh, because you would ask, hey, when was the last time you saw this movie? I'm like, I had watched that scene over and over. I mean, you're talking purple (laughs) rain type scene right there. Like, uh, there's nothing wrong with that scene. Yeah, that's her. That's like her first appearance in the movie, too. So when you first see her, she's got no clothes on. So, yeah, definitely memorable. Oh, isn't that the best? Like you come from a hangover. Well, first of all, he got left with three horny 70 year old women, right? Right. (laughs) He's lucky he didn't get violated to begin with. The guy (laughs) says one of them's horny and doesn't tell him which one. And then you wake up and you're, you know, you're trying to wipe the sleep out of your eyes. You got a blanket wrapped around you. You walk out into the woods and the first thing you see is a naked woman. I was like, this is beautiful. I go back in time, like in uh, Back to the Future. You know, one of them's young again, so yeah, you never know. Um, right. Yeah, that's a, yeah. What a, what a scene! And yeah, I agree. Her character is terrific. Like she she kind of reminds you a little bit of Minnie Driver in um, oh, what was that movie with Joe, with uh, John Cusack uh, where she she's a disjoint. Gross Point Blank. She's oh. kind of that's yeah. She's that strong character that uh, um, you don't mess with her. Yeah, the personality sells it because they're not exactly drop-dead gorgeous models here, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's obviously actresses out there that are incredibly beautiful. There's no doubt. But they couldn't pull off. Um, like Charlize would be able to pull off this confidence. She has, right? Sure. But, uh, and then Halle Berry tried it, but she can do it, and sometimes she can't. But uh, some of these other ones, they couldn't pull it off, Like just like you said, Minnie Driver or Julie did. Yeah, exactly. There's a sexiness to them where, you know, they're not a model, but they're there's obviously something very, very attractive about her and her personality, too. Like he eventually like she doesn't want to get with uh, Benjamin, the Michael J. Fox's character, because she knows he's going to probably leave. And so and she's got a kid. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of depth actually to her character. And they got me at the end, like when Michael J. Fox is running back. Uh, to the bar because he yeah. figures she's back and he runs into Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Um, they had me. I thought, I'm like, oh, okay, here's the feel good part. They're going to hug and, you know, the music's going to play and the scenes are going to slow down and, you know, they're going to twirl and the dress is going <laughs> to twirl, you know, that kind of thing. I had that in my head. I'm like, oh my God, he totally got jacked here. <laughs> well, and then you bring up a good seeing Bridget Fonda in kind of an early role and then actually a very small role for Woody Harrelson. That's actually what makes this movie a lot of fun, too, is you have these pretty big name actors and in, in really side character roles. Yeah. Woody plays, you know, of course, he's got to be an insurance salesman. That's the competition. Yeah. Right. So he played he played the competition well. But I don't know if you caught it in the bar. So when he runs all the way back in the bar 
and he runs into the mayor's daughter and it's basically, you know, damn, that sucks. Mm -hmm. And the screen goes off of them and Woody Harrelson, uh, Bridget Fonda asked Woody Harrelson, is that a star? Because she's looking for stars because they're in Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, no, that's just Ted Danson. Did you catch that? Oh, I I did. I did. Because it was obviously a direct nod to, to Cheers, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never caught that until the other day. Yeah, that's great. I love stuff like that when they kind of wink at the camera. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> the whole story, you know, there was a couple places in the movie where I'm like, okay, he missed the interstate. Why wasn't he just following ways? And I'm like, oh, there wasn't <laughs> exactly. ways. Right? There you and, go. <laughs> uh, or it's like, well, we don't take checks. We don't take credit. I'm like, just PayPal him. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. There is no PayPal. You know, so... <laughs> this movie would be different if it was released now. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, I got to break to you. There are parts in the U.S. where they they still don't <laughs> have all that stuff, so you would still need you'd still need cash and a check, you know. <laughs> I I got to tell you a story. So there's a uh, there's a new TV show. Damn, I can't remember the name of it, but it's uh it's uh, set in Nebraska, and mm-hmm. um it's a couple that moves from the city to Nebraska to run a farm because, uh, I guess there was a dying relative and the, uh, the farm was bequeathed to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm watching the show and I kind of get into it. And usually what happens with new sitcoms is I'll watch a couple and then go to my wife and say, Hey, do you want to watch this? You might like this, right? Knowing what she likes. Right. So she looks at it. She goes, Oh yeah, I was watching that, uh, you know, that old West show the other day, you know, that old West show. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you know, the show you told me about. I'm like, that's Nebraska. <laughs> The old West, <laughs> you know, 2019, the old West. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she doesn't know because, it, you know, we don't see what Nebraska looks like. I would have thought the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. And, and there is a certain charm about all that where, uh, yeah, things are definitely slower and, uh, you know, he's trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. And, and that's the fun part about the movie is, uh, he really learns to love these people, uh, that I think in the beginning he felt superior over and they realized, you know, look, I'm just, he's a small town guy too. He, it, it's, it's kind of a quick little thing when he's talking, uh, to Lou about that, you know, he was from Indiana and he just, he wanted to get out. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, cute, you know, the whole pig payment thing, you know, that's yeah. classic. Uh, you know, they're having the squash festival, and I started thinking, I I live in Brentwood. We have the corn festival here. Stockton mm-hmm. has the asparagus, asparagus festival. Gilroy has the garlic festival. That's I mean, right. we're not much different than this place. <laughs> well, that's the thing about California. People forget. They only think Silicon Valley, but you go, there are definitely rural areas of California once you get outside. Yeah, and you know how there's that... Uh, piece in every movie that every time it happens it makes you laugh we were talking a, a while back about uh the bull Durham movie and every time the mascot got hit in the head right oh yeah yeah here every time the time clock punched i would start laughing oh that's your oh and there's an underrated character uh the nurse uh she never um she never lets up on him kind of at the end but man she she's a ball buster yeah there's no doubt yeah nurse packer yeah yep She's great. She's she's perfect in that role. And actually, the doctor, you know, the doctor, he's he's kind of uh, setting up to take over eventually. Um, He's a great, he seems like one of those small town doctors. And he actually has some redeeming qualities at the end. Yeah, because, you know, that feel good. Because I've been in that situation where you're interviewing for a job and a person that you worked for, worked with in the past, maybe you didn't think exactly loved you a lot. And then you find out that they totally put in a good word for you. There's this feeling that you get that you just can't replace. That's right. That's right. So we talk about the technology. Is there anything else watching it recently that kind of stuck out for you? Uh, Technology is probably the biggest thing. Um, 
you know, the only criticism I have about this movie, and it's just a personal preference, I didn't need the urinating scenes. That, that that's a little weird. Oh, that's right. When they're they're uh, to avoid the deer hunters. The to, yeah to, yeah. You took this beautiful, sexy, confident woman, and she's you know kind of basically urinating in the woods a couple yeah. of times. That's that's really a little weird to me. But uh, well, she she's a country gal, so you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's not and afraid I'm of not, that. I'm not sure I trust a man that doesn't eat meat either. By the way. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're yeah. uh, we're on the same page there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, thank you so much, Sonny. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, definitely a good time. And uh, Doc Hollywood is worth a watch. And that's coming from Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com. <laughs>